Welcome to Through the Firewall, conversations with Force 3 about the changing world of IT and network security. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Through the Firewall. My name is Martin Thompson, and I'm here with Phil Page, technical consultant and security practice at Force 3. How are you doing today, Phil? Good. Thanks, Martin. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing solutions in vulnerability assessment and how the integration of two specific software packages can help you manage identity and access in your network. So uh, before we start, Phil, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here at Force 3? Sure. So I've been with Force 3 for a couple of years now. Started out actually on the consulting side of things. So I was doing you know hands-on integrations with customers. Uh, <clears throat> full phase lifecycle deployment. So starting everything from you know the design all the way through project closeout. It was pretty fun. Uh, recently got the opportunity to move over into sales, pre-sales, so working a little more with customers to develop the solutions initially uh, and help them sort of shape the organizational security posture. Um, so with that, you know, I'm deeply involved with a lot of our vendors too. Work with customers uh, as well as vendors to design solutions specific to certain customers, but also in this case to help pilot new technologies as they come along. Um, so the thing we're going to be talking about today is is a newer integration that uh, has come up that we're pretty excited to talk about. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of getting into the weeds with you guys. Great. Yeah, us too. So uh, through your expertise then, uh, how do federal agencies generally manage identity and access management? You know, I think traditionally it was your traditional uh, Active Directory LDAP model, right? So you know, user plugs into a switch port configured to a VLAN, they log into Active Directory, Active Directory then acts as a gatekeeper. Um, some more forward-thinking federal agencies had, had implemented uh, port security, and that recently became more of a requirement in a lot of environments. However, we're seeing that, you know, really that's not sufficient. Yeah, so then what are the specific limitations of that? Well, one of the biggest issues is just the, the management aspect, right? So when we start implementing port security, there's a lot of management over there that comes with that. If somebody plugs in the wrong computer to the wrong switch port, then it locks it down. And that's a real hassle. The network administrator or whoever has to log in, shut down the switch port and re-enable it. It just adds a large amount of overhead. Additionally, any sort of ads, moves, or changes require a static reconfiguration of the port, which is, again, it's very inefficient. Um, on top of that, there was no real way of guaranteeing that somebody was connecting an appropriate computer to the network. I mean, if you can actually spoof a MAC address, right? So I can take uh, any one of these laptops sitting right here in these Macs that we have in front of us, and I can put a fake MAC address on it, plug it right into a switch port. If I know that it'll be accepted, and it'll just work. Um, and if I have somebody's Active Directory credentials, then it makes it all the easier. But you know, even then, as long as I have access to your network, I don't even need to be logged into AD to do something. So. It just really wasn't a good way of doing things. It was a good stopgap measure, but we have better technologies now. Yeah, so speaking of new softwares, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about Cisco ICE and how it works. So Cisco ICE is Cisco's identity services engine. And what it really, the core, the core feature set of it is this 802.1x network access control, which... I think a lot of people are aware of is out there. It's been around for a while, but it was kind of hard to implement until now. Um, there are other solutions, you know, previously Cisco NAC, for example, it did an okay job of it. There were some issues surrounding it. So what Cisco did is they went back to the drawing board and they said, you know what, let's come up with a much more robust, easier to use, well-integrated solution. But in addition to this 802.1x component, we also have the TACAX plus authentication component, which a lot of people are, are used to using for 
uh, network device management. So that was that, that kind of role-based access control you could use to authenticate, authorize, and then uh, also audit all of your network devices. Um, and so this product is something we've been working with for a while. We've seen a lot of success in adopting it throughout the federal government. And uh, so far, it's been really well-received. Yeah, so what are some of the main benefits that uh, the agency you've worked with have uh, taken away from using Cisco ICE? First and foremost, definitely centralized management. Uh, you know, Cisco NAC provided that to a certain degree, Cisco ACS as well, but Cisco really went above and beyond with Cisco ICE to make sure that you could do everything you needed to when it came to .1x authentication right there on the box. One of the big benefits they added is something called profiling. And what profiling does is it's a service that runs. Now, it does take a little bit extra licensing, but it's a service that runs and allows you to identify what type of endpoint is connecting. What's the use case for this? Well, a lot of agencies have things like printers, right? Yeah, we call these headless devices. These are devices that can't authenticate to the network using .1x because they don't have Windows or Linux or, or OS 10, you know, Mac OS running on it. So it allows us to run a series of scans and look at what a device is. All right, we see that this is a printer. And then we can actually compare it to our authorization policies and place it in the correct VLAN with the correct access controls. So again, there's an automation there that before would have taken manual intervention in the form of you know, some sort of whitelisting, actually taking the MAC address or the IP address and manually applying it to an access control list or to a you know, port security or some sort of whitelist. So, Across the federal government, those are the two most widely deployed features that we see. And of course, there are some other features of ICE that, uh, you know, if we have time, we get into. But I really want to focus more on uh, its access control solutions today. So, sure. Uh, what else? What really excites you uh, about Cisco ICE? Well, for the longest time, .1x was so difficult to use, and we'd seen it deployed, you know, in wireless environments. Right? We'd seen it deployed to a limited extent in wired environments. What it did is it enabled all of these really crucial access controls be much more easily used by the network administrators. Uh, for example, one of the biggest things that slowed adoption of wireless in the federal government was the fact that it was really difficult to secure. WPA, yeah, I mean, you can use a pre-shared key with it, but that's not very efficient, nor is it very safe. So with the advent of .1x, we were able to use WPA2 Enterprise, which is this PKI, Public Key Infrastructure Type Authentication Solution, where we can actually protect the credentials, encrypting them with TLS, and transmit them securely across the airwaves to a wireless LAN controller. And the same thing applies when we do it over a wire, too. So the process is exactly the same. But it's much more secure means of transmitting credentials, whether they're Active Directory or if you have a certificate on your computer you're using, whether it's a user certificate, say, for a PIV or a CAC. Uh, and, yeah, so it actually allowed federal agencies and commercial customers as well to feel a lot more confident in the deployment of wireless technologies. And now we're seeing that it's also being deployed uh, quite a few places for wired access to meet certain requirements, but also because it just reduces the administrative overhead so much. You know, as somebody who used to be a junior network engineer having to do all these ads, moves, and changes, uh, I can definitely sympathize with the plight of the guys that are working there, you know, that tier three support having to go in. And every time a user moves across campus, having to reassign their VLAN and, you know, plug in that MAC address for the port security. So that's, the, to me, I mean, I, that's really where I see the most interest from most customers. But one thing I really wanted to talk about as well, and the thing that's really gotten me excited, is this integration that recently came out between Tenable Nessus and Tenable Security Center and Cisco ICE. Okay, so then tell us about Tenable Nessus. How does that work? So Nessus is a vulnerability scanning and management platform. 
Um, so what it allows you to do is you deploy what's called these Nessus scanners in your network, typically in the same layer two, you know, LAN segment, but you can do it across layer three and routed boundaries. And it actually does a scan of all the different machines on your network, uh, at least on that segment. And it reports on any vulnerabilities that it finds. And that could be open services. It could even be misconfigured services. So if it finds that service listed on a port it's not supposed to, it'll report that. It can even go so far as to log into machines and look at certain running processes and configurations to find out if they also are misconfigured. Uh, it's a pretty powerful tool, especially for information assurance and information security personnel that want to maintain a minimum level of compliance on their network. So then what are the benefits of Tenable Nessus to federal agencies? Why would someone want to invest? Well, the biggest thing is going to be obviously trying to determine if there's vulnerabilities on your system. But there's certain regulatory requirements that are required to meet as well. So it, it kind of provides this one-stop shop solution for actually and actively managing your vulnerabilities, seeing what's out there, and then ensuring that you're meeting your various compliance requirements, whether that's through CIS benchmarks, whether that's through STIG, whether you're doing PCI DSS, because we do have federal customers out there that process payments. So it's pretty commonly used for this compliance piece, which for information insurance people is typically just as important as you know, the actual InfoSec piece itself. So if an agency has Tenable and they have ICE, how do those two integrate successfully? And why did the integration take place? Yeah, so the, the core component of Tenable is actually what's called Security Center. And Security Center manages these different Nessus managers. Uh, it tracks scan results. You can launch scans from it. You, know, you can manage your different scan targets, all that type of stuff. And what Cisco did is they said, you know what? We know that Tenable's products are widely deployed throughout not only the, you know, the federal government, but also through the commercial space as well. You know, they're very big in the commercial space. And they said, you know, let's go ahead and create a plugin internal to Cisco ICE that leverages the API of Tenable's uh, security center so that we can actually go into Tenable security center, look at scan results, and then track those in ICE. And I think it was really Cisco trying to say, you know what, we have this great centralized management platform. There is a, a big demand among our customer base for what's called automated remediation. And I think this is really helping get them toward it because you can actually, with Cisco ICE, go in and say, you know what, this machine has these vulnerabilities with a CVSS score. And for those of you who don't know what CVSS is, it's basically a, a, an index you use to determine how vulnerable a, a machine is based upon certain attributes, right? And you can say, I want to de-authenticate this machine. I want to put it on a different VLAN until we can get this problem remediated. Or I just want to kick it off the network entirely. And you can now automate that with Cisco ICE. So in your opinion, then, why should technical managers consider integrating the two uh, products? I think definitely ease of automation. You know, I mean, obviously, you probably already have to have Cisco ICE in some form. If not Cisco ICE, then .1x. If you're in the DOD, you already have access to the ACAS solution. If you're in the, if you're in the rest of the federal government, the civilian uh, space or the, you know, the IC where you don't have access to ACAS, a lot of people are still running Tenable anyway because they're one of the industry leaders in that, in that area. So... You might as well, if you're in charge of both of these platforms, go ahead and link them together because it's just going to make your job easier. Now, you don't need to de-authenticate endpoints on everything, right? So we talked about using CVSS levels. Uh, and But there might be certain scenarios where you say, we've determined that if a CVSS score is eight or above, you know what, we'll go ahead and, and de-authenticate the machine, issue this change of authorization, because we just don't want to have the hassle of having this exposed machine on the network. And really... 
that's going to improve your overall security posture, right? Because instead of us running scans, maybe we miss something, you know, maybe because you know, some of these scans, obviously, you could be going against tens, if not hundreds of thousands of endpoints, uh, you're, you're going to miss something. I mean, granted, not everything is going to be misconfigured at once, but if there's a major vulnerability out there, a lot of people would, would feel more comfortable if that was remediated in some fashion immediately rather than after the fact. So, Phil, you've worked with a lot of agencies. Why is visibility important? And what are what are the effects of a lack of visibility? So your security apparatus is only as good as what you can actually see, right? I can set up the best intrusion detection system in the world. I can set up the best antivirus system in the world. But these are static measures. If I have a dynamic threat in my network, some of these advanced persistent threats, which, you know, by the way, are no longer just affecting the, the DOD and intelligence community, but also a lot of the civilian agencies as well, they're not going to just you know, drop in one piece of malware and just be content to sit there. They're going to move around your network. They're going to use different tools and techniques. I mean, all this information isn't going to be relayed by a single device. You know, they're going to leverage different vulnerabilities. They're going to leverage different host names, different machines. And so being able to establish this really good audit trail and visibility into different events and different you know, users, different workstations, it really helps later on when you're trying to plug all this into, say, for example, a security incident event monitoring platform, a SIM platform. So you can actually see, get a holistic view of what's happening on your network, rather than just relying on point-in-time alerting. And I think it's really one of the most valuable pieces of using ICE and Nessus, is that you can see over time, you know what, this vulnerability was, was you know, a big issue. Now we've remediated on 98% of our endpoints. We saw here that we got hacked on this 2% of these endpoints. So you know what, we, we can say that if we fix these, you know, these 2% two, uh, two endpoints that are infected and we patch them properly, then we at least have you know, basically curtailed that previous step that we were facing. So then how does this integration affect security operations staff? Well, it really makes their lives easier. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about this ease of automation, right? So typically what would happen is, say the Nessus reports a vulnerability, you know, the information assurance staff or the InfoSec staff would then probably queue a ticket to the network administrators and they would go in and either deauthenticate an endpoint or maybe put it on a remediation VLAN or there's a number of things that could happen, right? So what we're doing here is we're streamlining this process. And again, a lot of times the InfoSec team isn't going to have control over the network infrastructure. And really those network administrators do not care about deauthenticating endpoints, shutting down switch ports, changing VLANs. They have enough to worry about. Uh, so from the security operations staff standpoint, you've now removed really this time delay between you know, the time that something is detected and the time that it is remediated or addressed. And I think that's really one of the most important pieces. That's Moving forward, the industry as a whole is looking toward this ease of automation. You know, it's great that we have all these awesome tools, but how do we get them all to work together? <clears throat> so from the time that we detect something to the time that's remediated, in some cases is months. And that is ridiculous that in 2016, 2017, we still have this major gap between you know, remediation. So this is going to help close down that number. It might not eliminate it entirely, but you know, every day that we're taking where we're not addressing an issue that, we, that you know, has been detected, something that we, ca that we can fix, is a day that an advanced persistent threat actor or anybody else, whether it's a criminal or just a disgruntled employee playing around, can take further actions to harm your network. Yeah, on, on that note, uh, I mean, you've been around this software, you've been around uh, security operations for a while and some federal agencies. Do you have any specific use cases that you can share to kind of illustrate how that integration can be leveraged in a federal environment? 
Certainly. So I think one of the biggest ones we talked about is this automated remediation. All right, what do, what do you mean by automated remediation, Phil? Well, it's going to be addressing issues as they come up. And I know I've talked about this already, but let's get into a very specific use case here. So say we have a def- Department of Defense customer that is leveraging the ACAS solution with Security Center. And let's say that a major security vulnerability comes out. Let's call it something really big, like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Shellshock <laughs> vulnerability that came out a couple years ago. What we could do is we could launch a scan with Tenable Security Center. And, you know, it'll actually log into the endpoint and it'll say, hey, you know what, this version of Bash is susceptible to the Shellshock vulnerability. That's a pretty high CVSS score. I think if I'm not mistaken, it had a CVSS of nine or 10. It was, it was pretty, it was one of the biggest ones they ever had just due to the, the size and the scope of it, as well as the ease with which it was executed. So what we can do is we can have ICE query the results from that scan and it'll pull it down and you set this threshold through something called the threat-centric NAC. You can then tell ICE to move those machines onto a completely separate VLAN if you want to. Okay, now you're saying, well, Phil, typically Linux is gonna be on a server VLAN. You know what? We might not wanna necessarily move that. That's true, you might not necessarily want to, but there's plenty of other use cases out there where we might just wanna shut it down if we think it's a big enough vulnerability. If you have public-facing web servers and you have exposed SSH access, in some cases, because let's face it, everybody out there occasionally has that, maybe you're using SSH cut through or something else. That might be a case where, yeah, if something like that happens, you wanna move it onto a separate VLAN. And so I think that you know, using that dynamic VLAN assignment component that's endemic to AWC.1X to automate your, your remediation by moving, say, for example, an unpatched client to a patching VLAN is very powerful. And we can leverage that functionality using Tenable Security Center as well as Cisco Ice. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great hypothetical, and I think it really well illustrates the point. Uh, but also, how is it already being used in the federal space right now? So this is actually a pretty new integration. Uh, both these products are already very widely used, but we've had so far a lot of interest from federal customers in getting this integrated. Again, ICE 2.2 was the first one to natively support this. Before that, you had to go through the PX Grid API, which is a little more labor-intensive. It still worked, but... Starting in version 2.2, it's right there native in the GUI. Uh, And I think that a lot of customers, especially in the DoD space, but also in the civilian space, are really interested in getting more out of their current products, right? It's all about this value-added proposition. You've already got Security Center in place. You've already got ICE in place. Why don't you go ahead and link them together and get a little bit of, you know, get a little more mileage out of them? Uh, And I think that that is going, I mean, everywhere. Everywhere in the federal government, it's, it's about this value proposition. As budgets are getting tightened, as everybody is looking at a little bit longer t- timelines for replacing their equipment, making the most out of what you have with you know minimal extra cost is really going to be a, a big thing. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds great to have them integrated. How easy is that integration process? It's pretty straightforward. I did it the other day. Actually, not the other day. Excuse me. I did it a couple weeks ago for the first time just to test it out myself, and it took me maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, if you already have all of your repositories for your scan set up in the Security Center and you're already familiar with ICE, yeah, it's really, really fast. Uh, you know, there's obviously some tweaking that can go on. I wouldn't recommend you just turn it on and let it fly, but, you know, testing period, you could have it up and running in, in a couple days, I think, uh, if you want to do some really deliberate testing and it's do some really specific use cases. Um, so what makes this integration unique? Well, you know, so far, uh, I think it's really just the prevalence of both of these tools. There are some other vendors out there that have similar functionality, or at least they're working on it. But Cisco is the first one that I've seen that's really kind of lunged head forward into this sort of native support for these types of applications. 
Uh, Cisco ICE is also widely deployed. I mean, right now it's the most widely, one of the most widely deployed NAC clients that we have in the, in the federal government. Uh, and of course, Tenable Security Center is already widely used in the DOD through to the ACAS program. So, yeah, I think that uh, really it's just more of the ease of doing it. If you already have both of these products or you're considering purchasing one or the other in your environment, it's, you know, it's something that's already there. It's a, it is a, it's a new feature in 2.2. However, it leverages your existing infrastructure. So, again, we go back to that value-added proposition where – you know, there's a lot of other products out there where you'd have to buy it and then you have to worry about the integration itself. But um, I think going forward, there's going to be a lot of interest industry-wide in integrating these types of products. And I know Cisco has shown a great interest in making sure their products can work really across the board. Um, so it's no longer just, you know, the, the monolithic Cisco environment. Now we have a lot of, we have a, a lot of integration potential and it's making things a lot easier for the people that are actually using these products. So I think that's really the thing that sets Cisco apart right now is they've adopted this. Let's work with you know. Let's work with as many people as possible. Let's have the best user experience as possible. Great. Well, Phil, thank you for talking to us today. No problem. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming by. Again, we've been talking with Phil Page, a technical consultant with Force Three, and this has been through the firewall. This has been through the firewall with Force Three. Force Three.